you're either you're either on the bus or you're off the bus. Welcome aboard. This is episode 21 of Riding the Bus, the official Iowa Wild podcast presented by Explore Minnesota. Joey Goldstein to my left, Ben Gislason here uh, in the co-captain's chair of our podcast for episode number 21. Uh, Our previous guest was Adam Beckman, our current guest coming your way this week, general manager of the Iowa Wild, Mike Murray. And before we dive deeper into that, we can preface it as... If you are looking for a rundown of who are the new faces, which was our goal, what it yep. wound up being was a rundown of everybody, of literally everybody that we could see in an Iowa Wild sweater this season, you've come to the right place because no surprise, a guy that is, I have talked about before, is as diligent, as thorough as they come in Mike Murray, gives us just that, a very thorough walkthrough of the Iowa Wild roster and I left the interview very excited about this team. Yeah. And I already was. Mm-hmm. And I know every team, every staff this year is saying, we're so excited about our team. I get that. But there's something about this group. And you could tell he's excited, too, when we talked to him. There's a lot to be excited about for this wild team and a lot of reasons why they could be a really, really fun team to watch this year. They're happy about the way the offseason went. It seems like every every goal that they had going into the offseason – through free agency, through the draft, everything that they wanted to do, they checked that box. And it seems like they checked it relatively relatively early. They're like, yep, we, we got what we needed. We're ready to go. And and we were talking a little bit about it before we came on. Just This team is going to – it seems like they're going to score a lot of goals. With a young defensive core, there may be a lot of opportunities. But they're going to be very exciting games to watch. And like you said, there's just the way it's, it's kind of shaping up to be. And I referenced – the, that Barracuda team that went to the conference finals in 2016-17, it's a lot, it reminds me a lot of that team where there are a lot of players on this roster who are NHL ready or they're very, very highly touted prospects or in, since that time have gone on to be full-time NHL players. It feels a lot like that looking at what we have coming in, what the prospect pool looks like, what some of these veterans look like. These are guys who who are going to see NHL time in the future, we'll see NHL time. So, and and we've got great goaltending on the back end too. So, kind of top to bottom, everything rounds out really well, and it's exciting. And the thing that Mike gets to as well, and we won't spoil it, but not only is that top end there, and we'll, he'll list out better than we can what the potential top six forwards could look like. It's nuts yeah, to it's- think about, it. and that won't be how it always is. But what I'm getting to is the options that they have. And the fact that if Minnesota gets dinged up or Iowa gets dinged up or Minnesota and Iowa get dinged up at the same time, which happens every year, you're not going to go, where do we go? Who do right. we look to? They're, they have these options now throughout in goal. Jesper Volstead, Zane McIntyre, Hunter Jones, by the way, who was his numbers were a little bit on the wrong end down in, in, in the ECHL last year, but that's because he saw 1,000 shots a night. Sure. Everybody that I talked to about him said he was one of the biggest reasons they won games last year, and he was really good for them. And he's a guy that if Iowa needs to depend on him, as Mike talked about, as they did last year against Milwaukee when he played his one AHL game, he was lights out in mm-hmm. that game in Milwaukee. So he's an option. You have Michael Leary coming back who can play as a complete Swiss Army Knife player anywhere you want him to play. He single-handedly beat the Grand Rapids Griffins in a pair of games last weekend, if we all remember, or last year on a weekend, yep. which we all remember very well. It was awesome. Um, so 
there's all these different pieces now that aren't even maybe the pieces you look at and go, this is why they're going to win. But there are there are layers behind the, the shiny layers that I think makes this team potentially very potent and very battle-hardened and tested and ready to deal with the ebbs and flows of an AHL season. The decor is the big question mark, and it could go either way. Yep. It could go, uh-oh, they're young, or it could go, they're young, but boy, they're talented. We know they're talented. Uh, they're going to be, uh, they're, they're all draft picks. They're all Minnesota yep. Wild draft picks, with the exception of Dakota Mermis, Brandon Miller, Landon Kozier. Uh, those are the. Johansson, too. Yeah. I don't think he's a draft no, pick. No, he's a draft he's pick. He's a draft yeah. pick. These are all Minnesota Wild draft picks, and a lot of them are first, second, third rounders. So there's a ton of talent there. Now, will they be able to get up to speed quick enough? We don't know. Damon Hunt got up to speed really fast. Mm -hmm. So if you even get one or two of those guys coming in to play even a semblance of like Damon Hunt played last year, your learning curve may not be as steep. You might not get that too. So that's to me the big question mark. But to your point, like you said with that Barracuda team that you were a part of, there are tons of NHL-ready players, and there are also tons of players who are likely going to be NHLers in the future. And that's the recipe for an American League championship team again we're not crowning anybody here but that's the recipe you look at the teams that have won and that's that's fairly consistent across the board question obviously there's a lot of things that come into play and it's how well is the group going to mesh when they get out there that's obviously a big part of it but you know you you referenced when mike kind of rattled off some names for what a top six could look like i mean we're oftentimes in hockey talk about your top six and your bottom six we're not really talking about a top six because you start talking about six, and then you're like, well, what about this guy? You're really talking about a top nine almost, right? There's so many interchangeable parts, and there's so many names. I mean, I could rattle off to you six names right now, and you'd say, well, what about this person? Mm-hmm. What about this person? And at any point in time, things can be switched around and shuffled, and it's, it's all going to be a matter of you know, who's gelling, who's playing well together. But I've got a feeling we're, it's not, we're not going to see a true like first line, second line. We, we could roll out, in theory – three very effective first lines at any time. And players like Akil Kessie who come in as that enforcer-type player to round out the bottom side of your line. So it seems like it's been a very purposeful makeup for this team, and I always think purposeful wins as opposed to just grabbing the best players available. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've grabbed the players they feel is going to make the best possible team, not only for the Iowa Wild, but to have the right players to come up to Minnesota if and when that time comes. Well, that's how the course of the NHL season goes, is you need players from the AHL, and especially with the cap crunch that's still hitting Minnesota, they really, in, in these next couple of years here, they really need to have players step up from the, from the Iowa Wild to deliver for them until they can get out of this cap crunch that they're in, which I believe only has two years left on it. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what Kale Kessie can bring, hearing Mike talk about him a little bit, and mm-hmm. obviously the, the physical side of the game, but the energy side of things, and that's someone I look at, you know, last year's team, and Patrick Curry was someone like that who just played with and it finished his checks, played fast, paid hard. That's somebody who fans are going to adore. So I'm excited to see his game, you know, really for the first time here. I, I obviously he played with Colorado a bit last year. I don't know if he was with them when we played. It wasn't it was, somebody that was I with really Hershey noticed. And he but got traded to Colorado, I believe, to finish the year. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, missed out on yeah. a ring. So uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I, I, hopefully, he doesn't listen to this. He's no. like, I don't even know this guy, and he's talking about me missing yeah, out. Yeah, but on hopefully, a ring. you know, we get one this year, right? That's the there goal. you go. There that's you go. You always there you go. It's it's not about the <laughs> listen. Ben, I came from a place where where rings. 
you know, in Boston, it's a, it's a thing, oh. right? And the, and the word is always, the word is always, well, the last one was great, but we're looking forward to the next one. You should always be looking forward. Don't look back. Right. And I think that's, that's what, that's the, let's get out of this the moral of the story here. Oh God. It's been a while. Actually, it's been a while since you brought up Boston. It has. I, I think has. It, it, there was like, it was like a, a weekly or a biweekly occurrence during the season and last summer. But I don't think during this summer's edition of the podcast you've brought up Boston. Minus like go, when you were in Boston. Yeah, I don't. You know didn't if talk been, about it a lot when we were there. Minus right. the weather stunk. Yeah, we I don't there, know if there's been an opening for me to do that. Uh, well, what do you mean? You've kicked that door open also, countless times on this podcast. We, all, we also have haven't. You guys ever had, been to Boston before? We also haven't had a ton of episodes, which we apologize for. Um, probably less than we were hoping, but um, yeah, we we. Got some cool boy. We'll get to it in the in the back half of the mm-hmm. podcast. I think Mike's interview is 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 pretty long and thorough. I think we should probably just dive into that and give the people what they want. Sounds good. Uh, without any further ado, it's time to hear from the general manager of the Iowa Wild, Mike Murray, on a really good chat through all the new faces and a lot of the familiar ones that could be in an Iowa Wild sweater this season. Before we get to our second period interview with our special guest, Mike Murray, I wanted to bring a quick shout out to our sponsor, Explore Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota is home to one of the most vibrant arts and culture scenes in the country, from the culturally curious Spam Museum in the south to a replica Viking ship in the north to everything in between. Make sure to also experience the nationally acclaimed Guthrie Theater, Walker Art Center, Paisley Park, and so much more. Visit exploreminnesota.com to begin your dream vacation. I think that was your best read yet. Culturally okay. curious. That Felt wasn't good. easy. Yeah, no. That was nicely done. Unique New York. <laughs> yeah, I've been working on it. Uh, working well, on it. Uh, a great job there to Joey. And it's uh, our pleasure to welcome back to the podcast. Now our second recurring guest, Dakota Mermis, rejoined us now, general manager of the Iowa Wild and director of hockey operations for the Minnesota Wild. Mike Murray joins us here, uh, I believe, out east right now. It looks like, uh, are you back on the coast right now, Mike? Or have you since moved into a new spot in Minnesota? Yeah, here in uh, the Twin Cities, uh, still heading back east uh, to go visit some family a little later this month, though, so certainly looking forward to that. Well, great to have you back with us, Mike, Uh, and we've got a lot to cover today. We do want to get to a lot of the new faces who we know you will know best, Uh, and so no reason for Joey and I to pontificate about what we think we know about these players, so we brought in the uh, the guy who will really know these players well in you, Uh, but before we get there, Mike, uh, give us a a snapshot of your offseason so far for you. I know it's been a different offseason, obviously, with uh, the the newest member of of you and your wife's family coming in in the spring, Uh, but what's been going? on for you i know off seasons are not as busy as in season but they are still busy yeah i guess that was the first part we got uh that helped us get over the end of both our season in iowa and with the big club in minnesota beginning of may uh my wife and i we had uh our little baby girl uh on may 2nd there so that's been quite an adventure the last few months uh navigating that but um we're doing great here and and from the work perspective, um, yeah, our seasons, both seasons that ended the the end of April, beginning of May, they're certainly earlier than we would have liked uh, in both places, respectively. But, you know, as I said before, you kind of lick your wounds um, for a week or two. You, you reflect on the season and things that need to be done. And then you quickly turn the page to starting to look ahead. And we had uh, the draft to prepare for. We had free agency to prepare for. We had staff openings in Iowa we had to fill. Um, you, know, you had development camp. Um, 
And now all of a sudden we're on the eve of August here and uh, it goes by quickly. And uh, yeah, before we know it, it'll be September and fall and hockey season and training camp. And it's uh, really exciting uh, to, to when we get to that point. When you put it like that, it really doesn't sound like much of an off season. No, it doesn't sound like you've had too much downtime. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, uh, but it's great. Uh, you know, there's, the the various checkpoints of the calendar they're all exciting in their own right you know the the season and then through the winter obviously with the games uh and the schedule as it is but then the off season things that we're here to do that prepare us ultimately for for the season to come obviously a lot of excitement around the new staff uh and the bench boss that will be leading the Iowa Wild this coming season uh, in Brett McLean uh, who returns to Des Moines after a stint when he was an assistant down here under Tim Army now taking the helm Give me the the opening chapters of what working with him has been like so far. Now, this is the the easy part of working with someone, right? The off season, but when the in seasons, when the rubber really hits the road. But what has it been like so far? The opening months here of working with Brett and his imprint that he's trying to stamp on the Brett McLean chapter of the Iowa Wild. Well, the best part from the organizational perspective is the familiar familiarity with Brett. He was an assistant coach in Iowa for three years. He's been on our NHL staff for the last three years. Uh, there was really no transition period or orientation into the organ into the organization uh, that was necessary. Um, so it was really nice just to from even before day one, before we had that press conference in Minnesota announcing Brett, we he was able to seamlessly pick up, uh, pick, pick up where we are as an organization and, and begin to, and begin to plan ahead and look towards the season. Uh, and on a personal level, obviously myself being in the organization for the last three years, having that relationship with Brett, uh, and, uh, and having that baseline to begin building, building and moving forward with him. Not only Brett McLean, Mike, uh, but the additions of Ben Simon, as well as Pat Dwyer, two guys with Calder Cups in their pedigree from a yeah. coaching perspective. Uh, I know that was a part of what jumped out for those two for you guys, but you also told me it was a very deep pool of candidates that you had for the assistant coaching jobs. Why did those two, along with those Calder Cup pedigrees, jump out to you? Yeah, it was a very, very thorough process going through uh, – with Brett and really our whole hockey operations management group um, going through the pool of candidates to, to fill those two assistant spots. And, and you start with Ben Simon there. Uh, it was something that we had touched on. If it was the right fit to have someone with head coaching experience, Brett has never been a head coach before. So to surround himself with um, somebody who's kind of been through that in the position in the AHL, uh, to be able to lean on during the season for that input uh, is really an asset to our coaching staff and to Brett and to the organization. Um, yeah, Ben had great success in Grand Rapids as an assistant coach under Todd Nelson. And then the last five seasons, I believe it was, uh, as the head coach there and worked with a lot of good players and a really good organization. Um, so to be able to bring him in and um, and really with both candidates, the familiarity of being coming from teams in our division they also know our player pool very well uh very versed in in our organization and in our style um so again they the their starting point is is certainly um already ahead of the curve and then with uh pat dwyer bringing him in from the chicago wolves um 
just really, really impressed with him through the interview process. A very, very sharp, uh, bright hockey mind. Um, again, with the winning pedigree, uh, two years ago, that team in the Chicago with the Chicago Wolves uh, that won the Calder Cup, uh, probably as good a team as I've seen uh, in my time with the AHL. So knowing his role in developing players there um, in a winning environment, uh, certainly look forward to having him as a part of our staff as well. Both of these guys, obviously winning pedigrees are, are important, but the the development of the players is, is a whole other element. And I think Detroit as an organization, Carolina as an organization, do a really good job at getting their young players to the next level, something that Minnesota takes a lot of pride in. Was that another big piece for you guys and what you were looking for in these assistants? Absolutely. We need, we need two, the whole staff to to have a comfort level with working with younger players, with developing the prospects to helping them reach their potential. And it's, and it's interesting. You look at the careers of those three of Brett, Ben and Pat, um, you know, they had to grind their way to reach the highest. So all three of them played in the NHL. All three of them spent substantial time in the minor leagues. They know what it takes from a personal level in their own careers um, to make the most uh, of their ability and reach their potential. Uh, and now seeing them transition and doing that as coaches in their careers. Um, again, we feel the fit of all of them as individuals and now the three of them uh, as a staff, uh, again, with the rest of the support staff. Uh, we couldn't be more thrilled about the the group we have now. We have really posed this to our fans as a chat about new faces. I do want to get to just a few players that – we could see here in Iowa this season, we could very likely see maybe even more of these players in Minnesota this season. I know the expectation for some of these guys is to press for Minnesota. So I want, I got four guys I want to get some opinions from you on Mike before we get to the new faces. Uh, and the first one, it's one that I know we're, we were all excited to get him here. We're extremely excited about what year two could look like for him is Jesper Volstead. Yeah, Jesper, it's important for him. I think the this past season, his rookie year or his first year um, in North America was a really eye-opening uh, experience for him and on, on a lot of levels, uh, on the ice, off the ice, um, things he needs to do uh, in, in both regards. But now it's just to continue to take all those lessons learned from his first year uh, and take those to the next level and continue to grow uh, as a goaltender. And he, um, you know, he was he had an outstanding rookie year. And uh, we uh, our expectation is, is that that will continue to, to grow and develop and and push for opportunity with the big club. Um is a theme I'll say with everyone uh, we, we touch on here is it's really up to them. They will, they will make those decisions for us. And when the time is right, uh, again, that'll be determined by each individual player. And, that, and that's up to Jesper. Yeah, we have Marc-Andre Fleury and Philip Gustafson, but there's no reason that Jesper can't come and push um, and push for time now. And again, that's up to him. But again, when he's in Iowa, uh, what we've discussed with him is the expectation should come into every game and that I'm going to put my team in the best position to win that hockey game. And that should be his focus on a day-to-day -day basis and the preparation that goes into that and getting ready for each start uh, that will come along the way this year. Looking at what we've got coming back. So obviously we have our goalie tandem in Iowa returning with Zane and Jesper. And one thing we saw last year was the two of them kind of rotating 
splitting games, kind of an even split. Yeah. Do you, is the expectation for Jesper this year to kind of carry more of the workload, something that we've seen a lot of the other top goalie prospects in the league, like Dustin Wolf and, and Yaroslav Askarov take? Like, is, is it expect that he's going to play the lion's share of the games this year, or are we looking at maybe another split like we had last year? Yeah, I mean, that will be, it's a good question, Joey, and that will be dictated a little bit by the circumstances uh, of the season as well. Uh, what's the health of our goaltenders at the NHL level? What's the schedule look like? What's the workload look like at that time? What's the health of the health situation of our, of, of Zane and, and Jesper in Iowa? But yeah, that that's kind of the progression uh, of Jesper uh, that you'd like to see is came in, got his feet wet uh, here last year, and then continue um, to take on more of that leading role here in Iowa. But at the same time, Zane, Zane is here and you more than a capable goalie. And that's why we've, we've brought him back to keep him, uh, pushing Jesper and the goal is, or the hope is for both of them to, to push each other for that ice time and push each other for the net. Yeah. There's only, there's only one net and that's what makes goaltending such a tough position and a competitive position, but Zane's not just going to sit there and, and hand that off to Jesper. Jesper's going to have to earn, going to have to earn the net and those and those starts one guy that was really rooting for Jesper Volstead last year and Jesper was rooting for this guy was Marco Rossi uh, they were fast friends uh, the trio Marco Jesper and Simon Johansson they were almost inseparable at times throughout the season it was fun to watch those two bud and grow together Marco coming into a very pivotal third season of North American pro hockey now what's been the discussion with him what are the expectations for Marco coming into year three well, that really started uh, in our exit meeting um, after the season in Iowa and after as he was part of the, the Black Aces group and, and when that ended for the big club in the playoffs in the first round and, and Marco jumping at the opportunity um, to stay in the Twin Cities during the summer to work out uh, with our group there. Um, first was the World Championships where he, uh, I think he led Austrian scoring, if I'm correct. Um a really great experience there for him um and then you know took some time to recover and rest and then right back to the twin cities here to to be working out uh at trio under under our guidance and um you know the full commitment there on his end which was never a question mark before but now to be doing it here uh to put himself in the best position to push for a lineup spot and a roster spot in training camp and again as i just mentioned that's that's up to him yeah we have hopes and expectations for him but that will be uh, i'll be up to marco to decide and he'll be given every opportunity to do that once we get rolling here in september i ran into marco at development camp and he was working out of tria and yeah. caught up with him a little bit and the one thing that jumped out to me right when i started talking to him i didn't know that that he was staying in the twin cities for the whole summer so i thought maybe he was yeah. going to be there the front end go back a little bit i said when are you going back to austria and he goes oh no i'm not and you could tell it was a, I'm excited to be here, not a, the team's forcing me to be here type thing. You could yep. tell he goes, no, I, I, you know, he was stoked about it. He goes, no, 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 I'm staying here. And I could tell him the look in his eyes, he was, there's hunger there and there's drive there, which we've always seen from him, but to forego going back to family, which I know he has an extremely strong relationship with his family. It's tough, but that's the commitment level that it's clear he wants to drive home this summer. And mm -hmm. that's exciting for fans of Marco and for Minnesota wild fans too. Yeah, there was there was no when we presented him with with that idea, there was no arm twist and he jumped at it and he was uh, excited to be here and be a part of the group for the summer. And you can say that for a lot of guys from from the NHL group on down. You have Kalen Addison, another young player who's committed here for the summer. 
Um, you got more experienced veteran guys like Spurge and and Jake Middleton and Sammy Walkers and the Brock Favors and uh, and plenty of others. Uh, not to leave out any other names that are being a part of it, but kind of forget like Marco's still a young kid. Addy's still a young kid uh, to miss going home and being with your parents, the familiarity of home cooking, sleeping in your, in your bed at home. Um, yeah, it's a big commitment. Everyone kind of forgets that, oh, these are professional athletes. Those things don't matter, but, um, those are still sacrifices these guys are making and that's not lost on us as an organization. Same question for Adam Beckman, expectations for Beck's who, almost well actually overly doubled his his goal total from year one to yeah. year two in the American Hockey League last year and dealt with a little bit of injury here and there that actually stymied those numbers he could have been close to 30 goals had he not missed almost yeah. a month there towards the end of the season where's Adam Beckman at what are what are the thoughts for him coming into much like Marco a very pivotal third season of of North American pro hockey yeah you get sometimes with young players I don't want to say an impatience with reaching the end goal of being a full-time NHL player. But what I stressed to Becky was we couldn't be more happy with his development. You know, his rookie year, he came in, he had a great, great NHL training camp. And I think that maybe um, pushed the expectation a little unfairly on him of, you know, why isn't he uh, in the NHL after that training camp he had uh, a couple of years ago now, but he came to Iowa his rookie year he really figured out um, what it takes to play at the professional level, playing against men, being committed to playing a more 200-foot game, what it takes to to be successful to, to produce at the AHL level. This past year, he really took it to another level where he did produce um, that production that he couldn't quite find consistently his rookie year. Um, yeah, he turned into a top six forward for us last year and produced at a great rate uh in the ahl and got um you know more legitimate um recall time to the nhl uh, and got those experiences and now moving into year three for him it's to um now produce at the nhl level take those experiences he played well in spurts uh to do it more consistently consistently for longer periods of time and ultimately uh, produce at the nhl level and if he's not there when he's back in iowa to continue to push the envelope to become an elite player, not just for us in Iowa, but throughout the league and the AHL and be a go-to guy for us. So again, his development track is exactly what you would project and expect of a young player. And uh, and we look forward to the next step he's going to take here in September. Final two familiar faces I want to get some thoughts on and two guys that for different reasons, surprised. Uh, that being Damon Hunt and Sammy Walker. Uh, Sammy Walker not drafted by the Minnesota Wild. Damon Hunt drafted by the Minnesota Wild. But I, I think I'm probably pretty confident in saying both came in and did more in year one than maybe the expectations were. I think Sammy even told me he did more than he expected to do in on, his first season. Yes, yeah, on this podcast yeah, yeah. in his first season. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, those are two guys that are, I mean, Sammy's played NHL games. Damon Hunt was a black yeah. ace call up. So these are guys yeah. knocking on the door, too. Yeah, talk about earning your opportunity. You know, when we were fortunate enough to sign Sammy uh, in mid-August there, whenever it was when he officially became a free agent there after not signing with Tampa, you know, you kind of slot guys in where you think they'll fit uh, in the lineup. And from day one, when we got down to Iowa, um, Sammy exceeded those expectations and never really let go of those reins. Um 
He produced right off the bat. He brought an element to our team uh, there in Iowa. And it was, and, and by December, I think was his first recall there. He had, he had forced our hand that when there was an opportunity, he was the first guy recalled then. And that wasn't any preordained uh, discussion when we signed him in August. Um, he determined that he earned his opportunity. And I think that speaks to what Bill Guerin has preached since he was here day one as GM of the Minnesota Wild is um, the best players are going to play. And those are the ones who are going to be given the opportunities. And uh, and in our locker room uh, at with the NHL club, uh, with Dean Evison in the locker room, kind of written on the walls there is earned, not given. And uh, Sammy Walker is a perfect example of that. And then with, uh, with Damon, yeah, we knew, um, the type of player he was coming from junior, his experiences with, uh, with team Canada, although cut short by injuries and a few different situations for him. Unfortunately, he came into training camp. He was still recovering from, I think it was a wrist injury at the time. Um, but again, as the season began to unfold, he just continued to progress and take steps forward. Um, and in the role he was given last year with the coaching staff, uh, he, he took that and he performed to the best of his ability. And it was really impressive just to see him continue to, to take positive steps and track in the right direction, uh, and put himself into the conversation, uh, of being an NHL player. So again, he's a guy with a great off season, uh, to come into camp, uh, healthy, um, would be the hope on like last year and be able to make uh, a bigger impression in NHL training camp and preseason games than he did a year ago due to the injury and kind of playing catch up and really pick up where he left off, uh, at the end of the season for us in Iowa and, uh, and bring that to training camp, uh, in the fall here. Let's get to some new faces. What we've talked about, what we've labeled this podcast mm-hmm. as, uh, we've done enough returning talk now. Uh, and I should clarify there are a bevy of reasons why the players we're going to talk to here, minus the AHL deal players that we'll get to, there's a bevy of reasons why we may not ever see these players in Iowa. There's two-way deals. There's players that could stay and wind up playing junior. There are players that could stay overseas. So mm-hmm. we should put that out there beforehand. Yep. We're, we're not just because uh, we're talking about just, doesn't mean yes, they're gonna. Yes, yeah. yes. We we don't want anybody any players listening to this and they said, well, I'm going to make the NHL team. And Mike Murray is saying, I'm not going to yeah. make the NHL team. That's yeah. the one thing we yeah. we yeah. don't no. want to say here. Yeah. These are players we could see. And so there's your asterisk to go in front of all these players that we talk about. Uh, the the players I wanted to start with, Mike. Uh, uh, two NHL two-way deal signings this offseason, and then one that came over via trade. Vinny Letary, tons of Minnesota ties. Lou Nannies, his grandpa. For any soccer fans out there, Tino Letary, his dad, was a soccer star for the Minnesota Kicks. That's a little-known fact. And then uh, Jake Lucini as well comes over from Belleville in the Ottawa system. And then uh, Maxim Kaikovic. I need to do a pronunciation check on that, but I think that might be right. He comes over in a okay. trade from Tampa with Pat Maroon uh, as well. So three faces that will vie for some NHL time. Could get some NHL time, but we could also see them here in Iowa at some point. Uh, walk us through what brings those three into the Minnesota Wild organization. You're right, and it, and it, and it is an interesting dynamic when you talk to these guys during the summer um, and into free agency there when you're looking to, to bring them into the organization. Um, and it's, yeah, the NHL two-way, and yeah, you – their goal or objective is to come to NHL training camp in September with the objective to make the big club. 
but if not, we'll be prepared for them uh, to be in our locker room in Iowa. But again, the first things first, come to training camp. The focus is on the Minnesota Wild and making the NHL club. And if that doesn't pan out, then then we'll go from there. But again, that that's the mindset going into for all these guys coming into September. But with Vinny, um, yeah, there are the family ties to Minnesota in the organization. But if he wasn't uh, the player he is, uh, we didn't bring him here just because of for those reasons, right? He's We brought him here because he's proven to be an elite, elite player at the AHL level who's gotten NHL time, who has produced at the NHL uh, in that opportunity. And again, he provides us great depth as an organization and and every opportunity is there for him to come in in September and make an impression uh, and force our hand of where he should be uh, when it's time for the regular season to get started. So, but, it, you know, specifically at the AHL level, speaking to him, yeah, he was uh, a first-line player for Providence last year, a uh, point a game or just over a point a game on a team that was the second or third best record in the league. So, um, you know, he's proven that he can be that go-to guy. Uh, and you add him in with the mix of forwards we have, um, you know, not alluding to any line combinations, but you got the likes of Nick Batan and Stephen Fogarty and other veteran uh, forwards like that, you know, along with an Adam Beckman and a Sammy Walker and others. Uh, we really have, feel he complements our our forward group there and really uh, uh, a potent bunch uh, that uh, if they're all there, uh, we'll, we'll be really excited about uh, yeah. on that on that end of things. Seems to score a lot of goals. Holy it sounds. cow, if, yeah. Yeah, if that whole group is around, my word, my word I'm going to have to be ready for the light bulb to be going off on the broadcast <laughs> if, that, if that crew's here. <laughs> so continuing, uh, Jake Lucini and uh, Maxim Kajkovich. Yeah. Again, yeah. More, more faces that could go right into that crew we just talked about. Yeah, and it's funny, the connections in hockey. So Jake coming out of college was an undrafted free agent and, uh, and Billy Guerin. Well, he was still with uh, the Pittsburgh organization with Wilkes-Barre. He worked very hard to bring Jake into the organization uh, there. So there's the familiarity between Billy and Jake at that level. Jake has since found himself in the Ottawa organization and, and really over the last couple years has uh, exploded onto the scene uh, with his development and becoming uh, a producing player. He's got a quickness, speed uh, element to his game and has now combined that with the production that you've seen in Belleville, got his first NHL opportunity last season with a good stint uh, up with Ottawa. So again, he's another guy who's who's knocking on the door of being an NHL player. And, and they talk a lot about the organizational depth, the internal competition. So whether it's uh, the guys who were here last year, Nick Batan, Fogarty, Becky, Walker, uh, any of those players you add in a Vinny Letary, you add in a Jake Lucini, all of a sudden there's that in internal competition of, well, I'm going to, if I don't, if I'm not with the big club, I'm going to outperform the other guys to position myself to be the first guy recalled from Iowa. And again, we're all on the same team. We're all striving for the same goals in Iowa, but again, where they're all pushing each other, um, to be that next guy recalled and that only pushes all of them uh, to be better players. So uh, again, another exciting element uh, and versatile player that we're going to be adding to our, our group in Iowa potentially. And for Kai Kovic, 
I, again, I, I'm going to feel so bad if I learn this name is not pronounced this way, but I've yet to check in on it. I got to do my. I think I'll just go with, with Max. Uh, <laughs> Good call. To, to, to start here, but um, yeah, he, he's a player that we're a little more unfamiliar with, but we're gonna. He's going to be a part of our prospects uh, tournament roster uh, in September before training camp gets going. So we're really excited to bring him into that and get to know him more uh, as a player and as an individual on and off the ice there. Uh, that will really be his orientation into the organization. So again, we're glad he fits for that roster. We'll all get to know him as a staff and a management group and, uh, and, and, and an exciting young player still on his entry level contract. And we'll get to see where he, where he fits into the mix there. But again, you can never have too many good players. And, uh, and that's the benefit of that trade is, as you know, we brought, Pat Maroon in to fill a role at the NHL level. But as part of that, we added another another depth piece into the organization as well. And we're excited to see uh, what Max uh, will bring to the organization. Over the last couple of years, something that, that the organization has worked hard to achieve is is getting depth at the center position down the middle. And, and yeah. you know, so these guys are guys that can play up the middle. How important was it to continue to have that in the organization from top to bottom? Well, it's funny. One of kind of the objectives in the offseason from my position with Iowa was really the versatility uh, of the roster. And that's versatility in terms of position, uh, whether that be moving across the line and playing center or or the wings position. And then in terms of the versatility of being able to move up and down the lineup, guys who had the skill set to be able to play in your top six. But um but a well-rounded enough game to to play in the bottom six, uh, you know, if if our roster was healthy and deep enough at that time. So we really feel like we've achieved that with these players. Yeah, Vinny Letary is a top is a top end AHL player. Um, you know, Jake Lucini is right there as well, and he can play center, he can play wing, he can play first power play, he could play further down the lineup and bring different elements with with his well-rounded game uh, another forward we signed to an ahl ch- contract greg morelli's he can play center he can play wing we're very familiar with him uh from his time in manitoba he can be hard to play against but he's also got a skill set where he where he was playing top line and top power play minutes uh in manitoba so guys that again the flexibility to move uh, laterally across the lineup as well as up and down uh, was really something we were looking at in free agency and we and we feel we achieved that and we're and we're excited to see those pieces kind of come together here it's a great chat on the front end uh, on the back end there are prospects coming in very highly touted ones uh, that will make a decor that was young last year even younger this year but it's also going to make it infinitely more talented because all three of these guys I'm going to get to have a lot of talent in Carson Lambos, Kyle Masters, and David Spacek. A young decor doesn't necessarily mean you're going to struggle. It means maybe early there'll be some lumps and you'll have to learn a few things along the way. Yeah. But boy, uh, when you look at this decor top to bottom that will still have Simon Johansson, Ryan O'Rourke, Damon Hunt, Dakota Mermis is back into the fold. You bring Brendan Miller back as an AHL signing. Yeah. There's a lot to be excited about in the decor, despite its its youthful exuberance. Uh, yeah, when you say six first or second year pros, um, that might not initially be a recipe for success. But with the players we're bringing in and the caliber of player, uh, we're really excited about 
what they'll bring as a group. And it starts with bringing uh, Dakota Mermis back. Um, you know, that was a primary target. And those were conversations that began essentially right after the season ended, ended uh, talking to him and seeing where he wanted to be and then moving those negotiations uh, along with his agent. And we were thrilled to get that done. Uh, before free agency is again, he was the guy that we wanted to lead this group uh, from uh, from the on ice and on ice perspective. There's no there's no better person you'll find uh, than a Dakota Mermis. So uh, to have him in the fold is is a great start. And then you surround him with the the six first or second year guys. Like you said, we got Hunt uh, O'Rourke and Simon Johansson coming back, and then you add into the mix. Um, spot check masters and uh and lambos and again like you said brendan miller on um on that ahl contract to kind of ramp, round out that group um yeah they all have different elements to their game and we can go into as depth as much as you want on each of those guys but uh yeah to have that kind of be our decor um yeah we're really excited to see that on the ice it's funny. I was laughing thinking about it. Dakota and his wife Sarah already have uh, two wonderful young children. It looks like they're adding a, a few yeah. more to the household yeah. this season. Yeah. It'll be Dakota and his kids <laughs> in the back end there. Um, yeah. it's uh, a but t-shirt idea. It, <laughs> there you go. The marketing <laughs> wheels are spinning. Um, yeah. Mike, we're getting towards the end of it. You've been so gracious with your time. I, I don't oh. want to skirt past the AHL deals because there are a few in there that really excited me. You brought up one of them already in Greg Morellis. You mentioned it. We're very familiar with him. He was yeah. all always a guy that I felt had an imprint in games against the Moose, whether it was scoring big goals or contributing on the third or second line, depending on what the makeup of the Moose Jets situation was like at the time. But there are some exciting AHL players that are coming in here as well, and those are guys that Wild fans should expect to see some of, if not all of them this season. Michael Leary is back into the fold. I love the Brendan Miller signing. He was a guy that was here a few years ago, partially at the beginning of last season, is going to bring a ton to the back end that needs a guy like Brendan Miller to be back there because of what we just talked about, the youth of it. So walk us through some of these AHL signings, Kale Kessie, not to mention Casey Dornbach and Louis Boudon, who we got to see a cup of coffee of last year as well. Yeah. And, and in a similar, right. Yeah. Those, those signings on the AHL contract are just as important as everybody else on the roster too, in terms of the team building, they'll provide us the depth. If we thin out at any point due to injury or recall to the big club, these are the players that you rely upon uh, to contrib contribute and keep the the ship going in the right direction, so to speak. And and again, first was was Michael Leary. Uh, again, another guy we targeted that we wanted to bring bring back into the fold and got him signed before getting to free agency. Again, you talk about versatility. Uh, you know, primarily a center can move to wing if needed. Um, you know, when we had injuries last year, he moved into the first line center role. Uh, and he kept us afloat, and that was when we were playing some of our best hockey. And I think that was really a big confidence booster from him that happened around All-Star break last year, and I think that really propelled him into a great second half of the season. I think that he realized, all right, I can do that, uh, produce at that at this level. And uh, again, we're another player we're excited about having back with us and what he'll be able to contribute uh, to the team. Um, we touched on Greg Morelli's there. Um, yeah, and excited to have him on our side of these battles now. And then a player who I think will, uh, in very short order, become uh, a fan favorite here. And I was Kale Kessie, just the style of play. Uh, and that's not limited to just being um, whatever his reputation may be in terms of being 
uh, someone who's willing to drop the gloves, but I think it's more the energy he brings, uh, his willingness to commit to the physical side of the game of hockey. Um, when he's on the ice, he help, he helps tilt it in your favor. Uh, he'll finish every hit that's out there. He'll play with an energy. There won't be a shift that goes by where you don't notice him on the ice. And I think our fans that will certainly resonate with our fan base. And, uh, and as I've, as I've heard, he is quite, uh, an impact on the community and, uh, and out there, uh, being a visible, a very visible presence. So we look forward to his contributions on and off the ice, bringing that, uh, to the organization, um, with the mix of players we already do, uh, have that are so willing to, to be out there, uh, in the Des Moines area. Um, yeah, a couple of the younger guys up front, um, that we brought in at the end of last year, Casey Dornback and Louis Boudon, who got their first, uh, taste of pro hockey. And that just puts them light years ahead of, of, of where they'd be otherwise coming into their first training camps in the fall here. So they know what being a pro hockey player is all about. They know what the AHL is all about, the, their expectations of what they need to needed to do all summer to prepare for that. Um, is an invaluable experience for them uh, that they got at the end of the season with us. And we're excited about uh, those two players as well. Um, am I missing anybody else? And a couple more of the AHL contracts. Uh, Kevin Conley back in the mix as well. Uh, performed very well in that depth role with us last year. And, and, a, and a player we think has more, there's more to his game than what he than what he was in the role he was given last year, which was what we needed. And he he performed and did what we asked of him to do. But excited to see what else is he he'll be able to contribute with us. Uh, a few more depth pieces up front. Uh, up front, Brett Budgel, um, who was uh, under contract with the Toronto Marlies and played uh, the season with the Newfoundland Growlers of the ECHL and. And a player our amateur scouts uh, were very high on. Uh, I think I believe he was the captain of his junior team. Uh, great character, great compete, and a, a role player we could bring in uh, to Iowa uh, and you know help solidify that bottom six when given the opportunity there. So another another good depth piece uh, up front for us as well. And really, I think the only other names we haven't touched on out of the whole forward group are Nick Sweeney. Uh, again, back in the mix, got his first NHL recall at the end of last season, which was really exciting. Um, so again, just uh, talk about a versatile piece, right? Swains will do whatever you ask him to do uh, whenever you ask him to do it, and you're going to get the consistency of play out of him regardless of what role he's in. And then Mikey Mill, uh, a young player um, who just – as the season progressed, the latter half of the year, probably the last month to six weeks, I think we really got to see what type of player he can be, the the element he can bring to the game with his speed and the skill set behind it. And uh, we really look forward to the uh, to to the season he's going to have this year and continue to put himself in position uh, within the organization. So I think I think did I cover everyone at the forward end there? Did I miss anybody? I think the only two that I, I know are possibilities would be Pavel Novak and Caden Bank here. Those aren't guarantees, yeah. but possibilities as well from the prospect side. And if we're trying to yeah. cover everybody, I think that's the only ones we'd maybe miss. Yeah, and with with Pav, you know, coming off of like uh, I say, the calendar year, the last year and a half, uh, kind of the, the the personal experiences he's had and going through his his battle with cancer there and 
Uh, it was great to see him at development camp. And um, yeah, for us, him just being back in the mix as a hockey player, you know, is really exciting for us as an organization. And, and we'll see, you know, where the hockey end of it goes. There's no timeline for him to, to become an impact player at the AHL. That's going to take, you know, he hasn't played hockey for over a year or, you know, uh, competitive hockey for over a year. So again, we'll, he will determine his timeline um, of where he fits in the organization. But really it, the, with him, the bottom line is just the excitement to have him back in the locker room on the ice part of our group and getting to be one of the guys as a hockey player. And then with uh, Bank here, um, you know, he had an unfortunate uh, injury pop up during offseason training, which will kind of delay his start um, to pro hockey a little bit here. But again, yeah, it talked about having a great last year of junior hockey on a great team in Kamloops there and a big part of that uh, played his way on to being uh, uh, the Canadian world junior team there. And uh, yeah, when he's healthy, uh, he'll be a great addition to our lineup in Iowa. As comprehensive as and, I expected, for sure. Yeah, and and Patan and Fogarty, we touched on them earlier. They but, speak for uh, themselves. Yeah, yeah what yeah, they do speak, yes. Going, yeah, you know what you're going to get with those two guys, and those that that's why we signed those guys to two-year contracts a year ago for that continuity and keeping them in the organization. And, uh, yeah, when you can bring those two guys back and they're almost afterthoughts in our conversation, you're uh, you're in good shape. So. I was going to say it was a compliment to them that we didn't talk about them because the fans know yep. what they're getting from yep. them, and that's excellence, period. That's yep. what they've provided yep. since they arrived in a wild uniform. Yep. We've we've gone through a ton of yeah. names, right? We've gone <laughs> yeah. through a lot of names. Is there, from an organization standpoint, you know, is there someone who may be – I don't know if under the radar is the right word, but who are you guys looking at to really have a, a breakthrough year this year? It's, yeah, it's a good question, Joey, to put me on the spot, but it's really, <laughs> I almost I almost look at it as a whole. Um, we've, we've now, Billy's been, just finished his fourth season as the GM of the Minnesota Wild now, and one of his objectives um, while remaining competitive and continuing to push as a Stanley Cup contender at the NHL level, uh, was simultaneously to build the prospect pool um, and, to, and to build uh, that pipeline of prospects uh, to become NHL players. So we feel we're now four years into that. You're starting to see the fruition of that now. Again, six first or second year uh, draft picks on the blue line. Um some of the young, talented players now uh, filtering more throughout the lineup up front and forward. So we look at that and it's like, okay, well now which of those players are going to distinguish themselves from that group and are going to position themselves to be to be NHLers, either making the team out of training camp or be that first recall guy. And rather than single out, well, I think it's going to be this guy or I think it's going to be that guy, that's the best part about this is they're going to tell us who that is. And we're excited that we have depth really at, at all positions now. Uh, and uh, now we just kind of wait and see what they tell us. Last thing for me, Mike, and, and Joe, if you got any more, well, I'll happily let you get to it. But the one thing that just consistently blows me away and coming from development camp, uh, another year last year, another just spectacular group of young men. And we've talked about it before. What's the magic potion? How do you guys manage to find 
people like you find. Uh, and, and, and it's just going to continue because I've met Lambos, I've met Masters, I've met Spotcheck, I've met Novak, Bankier, all these prospects coming in. Um, I've texted with Vinny Letary. He was extremely gracious and cordial. I mean, the, the ability that you guys have to locate and identify the right type of people, let alone the right type of players, can you shed any light on how you go about doing that so well? Because it seems like you almost never miss. It's just incredible to me. Yeah, and and that and that starts again with with Billy Garen, our GM. Um, that's yeah, a guy in his career who was kind of the ultimate team player, right? Like he knew he, on top of his uh, ability, uh, was being was what he could bring off the ice in the locker room in those moments where somebody needed to, to step up and be that guy. So it starts with Billy and then all that credit goes to, to really every, every spoke of our organization, whether it's Judd Brackett and the amateur uh, scouting group. And yeah, they're not just looking for the best players. They're looking for the best players who are the right fit for the Minnesota wild and character um, is a big part of that. Um with Brad Bombardier uh, and Matt Hendricks and Cody McLeod in our player development, the work they do with those guys from the, from the day they're drafted, they're in touch with these guys, they're in touch with their families, they're in touch with their coaching staffs, and they continue to work and develop and mold those players to the point uh, when they step into our locker room in either Minnesota and Iowa and, and really continue those relationships as, as that development really never stops for these players. Uh, and then on the pro side with Chris Kelleher and our pro scouts is, you know, again, they're out trying to find the best free agent players. But again, we're not just looking for the best players. We're looking for the right players for our organization. So it's really all touch points in our organization can contribute to the players we're bringing in the locker room. Uh, and yeah, it is, it is a great group to be around. And it starts with Billy. It starts with uh, Dean Evison, our head coach and the coaching staff with the big club. And now with Brett and Pat and Ben and our whole support staff and the rest of our coaching staff there in Iowa, um, we're all trying to, uh, you know, achieve the same goals and objectives. And it's nice when uh, that's pretty universal from top to bottom in the organization. Well, I speak for everybody down here that says, uh, thanks for treating it that way. It makes our jobs a lot easier mm -hmm. uh, when you just have to deal with great people as opposed to sorting out the the, the tricky ones. Yep. Um, and I know that goes for you, too, and the players that you deal with huge. on your side of it. Huge. Um, our guys do such a great job uh, of being willingness, willingness to go on the community side, willingness to put a camera in front of their face, mm -hmm. uh, all, all the things that, uh, that make our lives a lot easier down here. So I had to finish with that because every single time I just think, how do they do it? Where do they, is there some special pool that they keep finding these players from? Or is there some special test that they have them take? And they're like, oh no, he, he didn't pass this test. So he doesn't make it. It, it impresses me every time. Um, so, well, I, I, anything else, Joey, to get to, we've come, no, like I, you said, we, we, covered, we covered a lot. I, yeah, we I feel like we lot. covered every single person. Yeah, I probably, so. <laughs> Monday morning here and uh, recording this and we just exhausted Mike. We just exhausted all of your energy here Monday morning. <laughs> no, there were, there were two other debt pieces that I looked at again from the organization we touched on on contract some we have landon cozier uh back in the mix on d uh again another player we brought in after an excellent junior career came in in the spring unfortunately with where we were in the standings in our playoff chase last year um and health wise didn't have the opportunity to get him into a game with us last year but he was there practicing with us every day for just about a month and into the playoffs there um and again he was identified by our amateur staff and undrafted player 
that we thought very highly of and wanted to bring. Essentially, uh, he's in our prospect pool as well. So you mentioned the six first or second year guys. Really, it's seven when you throw Landon into that group. And he's as much a part of that group as anybody was at development camp. He'll be on our prospects tournament roster um, and and into into training camp here. So, uh, again, another young player that we're excited about having as part of our organization. And then rounding out the goaltending group uh, is Hunter Jones. And we only saw a very small sample size of him last year, that one game in Milwaukee. But he gave us an opportunity to win that game, uh, a tough overtime loss. I think it was two to one. But, um, you know, we feel we're in good hands with our goaltending um depth throughout the organization and if there's ever the need or opportunity for for hunter to to join us in iowa we know he's a goaltender we can count on to help us win games so uh really we're just uh really happy about the off season we had uh but ultimately i guess though that the, the the telling sign will be uh when we see the full product on the ice starting in september so uh a little bit time left to enjoy in august uh here and the rest of the summer but uh certainly an excitement for when we turn the calendar to September. Uh, no surprise that Mike didn't miss on, on those two and shouldn't miss on those two. Landon Kozier, 60-some yeah. points as a defenseman in the Western League mm-hmm. uh, coming out of Prince Albert. And Hunter Jones, you called it that game in Milwaukee. I think he made 41, 42 saves that night against a very good, very Milwaukee, good Milwaukee team, team. that he yeah. gets the yeah. run support here and that win. So um, pieces that could be very important for the Iowa Wild this season at some given point. But, uh, Mike, it's always just such a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, thanks so much for coming on again, uh, and we'll look forward to doing it again down the line but for now take some time do you have any fun plans coming up ahead i know it's tough with a newborn but anything even a small getaway or time to just relax and turn off the phone for a little bit every day with her is a fun day right (laughs) that should be that should be my answer right um your wife will be happy to hear that yeah 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 again uh i'll show show her uh, a recording of this in 10 or 15 years and see how we feel about it right uh no like we said we got some family time planned heading out east to visit with both uh both sets of our of our families and uh just really looking forward to that and sharing uh and sharing our new addition to the family with uh, the rest of our family. So that's, uh, that's, that's the excitement we have. So again, uh, a little time left. It will go by fast and can't wait till, uh, till we get going. Mike, very grateful for this as always. Thanks so much. And uh, looking forward to our next chat. You bet. Thanks guys. As always, a big thank you to Mike Murray, the general manager of the Iowa Wild, for a very extensive rundown of our roster. And now let's shift rosters. Yep. Another staff spotlight for the second episode in a row. We had our videographer, Marquise Jones, last week. Sitting to my right this week is our graphic designer, Travis Green. Am I getting that right? Yes, you are. Didn't get anything wrong there, name nope. and or title? We're good, yeah. Well, Travis, <laughs> it's great to have you with us here today. Uh, and as Joey and I talked about when this whole idea became a, an option for us was there are a lot of staff members, Joey and myself included, that fans get to see. They get to hear from, obviously, on the podcast, ticket reps that people get to hear from, meet, talk to. But a lot, especially on the marketing side, yourself included, the brains behind so much of our operation and the creative brains behind so much of our operation, yet fans don't really get to meet you. So an opportunity to do that uh, here with us on this podcast episode. So uh, first and foremost, give fans a walkthrough of what does the game day, let's say, look like for Travis Green on a game day? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me. Um, Game day is kind of 
special for me. Uh, it's kind of where things kind of slow down a little bit for me, and I get to kind of take everything and enjoy it. So is that the only person in the, on the staff that gets to say that? Oh yeah, if you saw That's what awesome, if you saw, if you saw yeah. I mean, you, you don't consider that leading up to it. Right. Well, if you yeah. saw what the week looked like leading into game day, you would. You, so I asked a terrible question. No, no, no. That's a good question because everybody else is running around like a chicken with their head cut yeah. off on game day, and that's what Travis does basically during the week. Yeah, the week leading in is like a blitzkrieg, but then we get to that Friday, Saturday, and everything slows down. I get to sit up in the press box, kind of enjoy everything, you know. Sometimes I'm out handing out promo items, meeting with season ticket holders, fans. And that's the fun part, right? Like making those relationships. There's quite a few people that every game they come out and find me now for the ones who know me. And we get to talk and catch up and see how each other's weekends have been or, you know, what have you been up to the last week or so. So that's always fun. But, yeah, things kind of slow down. I get to take a little bit of a breather, enjoy the game a little bit, uh, which is always great, you know. Um, there's nothing better than watching it up in the press box too. You get that like perfect view. Um, so yeah, that's great. You know, if I'm working on game days, uh, helping out with like game day graphics or, uh, you know, any kind of last minute graphics, if a player gets a milestone, kind of making those graphics on the fly. So always being ready for stuff like that. But yeah, game days are kind of a little bit slower for me, which is, it's a nice feeling. So I'm over too because I asked you what game day was like, and he just watches the game apparently. And two, <laughs> I said that fans never get to talk to him, and he goes and talks to fans during game days. I'm just going to shut up, Joey. You take it away. I'm swinging and missing. <laughs> start. Oh, I like this. No, keep going. Keep swinging and missing. This is good. Um, let's let's talk about just your your background, really. I think that's that's one thing that I wanted to do with these spotlights is really kind of show fans like where everybody came from, how they how they got here. So. Before this, I mean, you're really entering your third season now with the Wild. So before joining us, you know, halfway through that 21-22 season, what were you doing and, and what's your kind of design career arc been like? Sure. So I'll kind of, I guess I'll start there, kind of where everything started. My career actually started in journalism. So broadcasting journalism to be more specific. So I did the whole news I'll route for a while and I'll just go, uh, <laughs> started there and then, uh, switched to more print journalism, kind of fell into cartooning and doing cartooning for a newspaper. And then that's really where I'm like, you know what? I've always loved art, always been kind of good at it. Always loved to draw as a kid. And I'm like, why am I not doing what I love? So kind of decided at that point to shift gears from journalism and go right into art. Um, and back when I was going to school, graphic design wasn't a major that you could really take yet. So it was more studio art. So painting, sculpture, ceramics, kind of doing all those classes. So that's where I got my start, my degrees in fine arts. So learning all of that. And then about halfway through, you get to pick a concentration. So graphic design is where I ended up. Um, absolutely loved it and kind of continued with that. Um, and then out fresh out of school, got a job working for a book publisher, designing children's books. So laying That's them out. Awesome. Um, That's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of yeah. fun. So, you know, uh, some like basic work, just like laying out the pages or picking all the photos out. Uh, then as things kind of progressed, designing the covers and doing stuff like that. So that was a lot of fun. I got to work with like a lot of really talented artists who from all over the world, Italy, France, you know, and, I got to like take their original drawings and scan them in and color correct them. And so I felt like, you know, I got to have a little fun doing that stuff, but 
after that, kind of moved on into web design, which I, w I was looking for a challenge, you know, wanted to try something new. And I ended up doing that for almost seven years. So for for about that long, I did uh, e-commerce design, which is kind of a whole different beast in itself compared to just like regular website design because you're just really focused on sales and converting people to make sales. So um, after that, I was like, okay, what's the next challenge to my life? What can I do now that's going to kind of push me to that next level? And I've never been in the world of sports. I've always loved hockey. And I thought, okay, that's the next move, you know, and the job came up and I'm like, I'm going for it. Like, this is the next move for me. And now it's been three seasons and it's been a wild ride, honestly, but I've loved like every minute of it. Like you got to get that. Okay. <laughs> I had to. I, I'm a dad. So, you know, you got to get that dad joke out yeah, there. It's just yeah. going to happen. Yeah. It's just, you know, it comes with the territory. So, um, yeah, it's been great, you know, not knowing a whole lot about sports design kind of first starting out here and then seeing where I've, you know, how I've how much I've just grown in in the short period of time has been awesome, but uh learning all about the sport too cuz I'm not familiar with it like maybe you or Joey are where you guys have grown up with it, you know, it's like one of your first loves when it comes to sports, you know. I've always been a baseball guy or a basketball guy, but um I caught the hockey bug like almost mm. right away. It's hard like, not to when you're yeah. in it. When you're in it, it's it's very hard not to. If you were to look at so obviously if anybody has seen any piece of creative or, or anything that comes out of our organization, there's I would say a ninety-five, maybe now ninety, because Jess helps out a lot on the social side, yeah. but maybe there's a very high probability that it, it came off of your computer. Of all the things that you've produce put together created what's the one IOI project that you would say is your favorite one that you've worked on oh man there's honestly there's been so many um the there's like two that really stick out for me uh the season ticket holder care package that we did last season that was a lot of fun um I hear so many people talking about it and they're like oh you you made those and it's like yeah I did and um just hearing how appreciative season ticket holders were receiving those gifts. So that was really cool. But the one that kind of sits right here for me is the veterans Jersey that we did last season. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad being a 30 year military vet in the army, um, that game was on his birthday. So getting to design that Jersey and not only design it, but give him one of those jerseys as well. Um, truly honored to like do that for him. Like I, can never say this enough he's done so much for me and he always tells me how proud he is of me but I don't know if I've ever shown him like how proud of him I am so um, that was awesome to do for him and it was kind of fun giving it to him too because I gave it to him and he was blown away and he's just looking at the front of it you know he's like oh this is awesome he's like you did this I'm like yeah he's like how did you pull this off like how am I getting one of these I'm like oh, you know don't worry about it <laughs> we're good <laughs> I know a guy yeah I know a guy who knows a guy um and then he flipped it over and saw that I had went through the trouble of getting it signed and shout out to Alec for doing that for me because he can, he was the magic man behind all that um and that blew him away, like telling him, like, you know, that's so-and-so's signature and top prospect. You'll probably see them here up in Minnesota in a few years, and they're going to be big names. And he was just blown away by that. 
And he's like, I got to have a hockey man cave now. So he's like, in- instant fan, instant fan. So uh, that was awesome. Really awesome thing to do. And I think I'll cherish that. It's probably one of the best things I've done here. So cool. It's a spectacular story. Uh, I don't know how you follow that up. I guess the only thing. Yeah, I good luck, Mr. O for two. <laughs> good luck. I don't even know where to go. The one question I had that I wanted to get to, because I know you're a music aficionado much like I am. There was another path you were sort of on at one point prior to jumping full bore into the creative, you know, design, graphic design path, Mm -hmm. wasn't there? Tell us more about that. So, yeah, I've been a music guy my entire life. Started out playing saxophone. Always wanted to play the drums. My my dad and both of my uncles uh, played the drums. So it's always something that was kind of natural to me, something that I always had interest in. Um, And then kind of fell into that route as a teenager, you know, just garage bands, hanging out in my friend's basements, we're playing music, and then we went that route for a while. So majority of my, my early teenage years and 20s playing in bands, you know, trying to make it into the music world, going around, playing shows and doing that. So that was kind of a big thing. It's still a big thing for me, too. I still play, like, for fun, but um, I've always loved music. Like, biggest passion in life besides I would say design and hockey is music. Like those three things right there are just like what keep me going. Um, the seasons here can kind of be pretty grueling. I think we all know that. Pretty grueling. So <laughs> <laughs> um, music is how I recharge too. So like, you know, we just had in this moment and uh, motionless and white concert a few weeks ago. And I got to go to that and just rock out and have a good time. And it's a perfect way to recharge. You come back into work, just ready to, go at it again so you're speaking my language the amount of music i listen to on the course of a game day is nuts oh you should see him on a day-to-day he's got his headphones and half the time so you try to get his attention and he's just it's just zoned out Mm -hmm. it's great yeah and also it's nice because then if you always have your headphones in even if you just don't want someone to talk to you then you can put your headphones in and you can you know what i'm saying i'm sure you've had to have done this yeah yeah right they don't always listen to everybody has and i'm I'm not actually listening to music i just i can't i'm gonna be talking right now so i'll walk right by that's noise canceling yeah it's like the classic i gotta go like compose like artists they're fine art whatever they listen to whatever gets them in there that zen mode it's kind of it's kind of what works do you have it so we always we asked you a couple questions you have any questions for us at all oh, anything flipping the script huh um about ben's illustrious career career in what i don't know <laughs> no <laughs> don't reference know. just career <laughs> yeah i don't know it's really broad yeah what do you want to know well, you know, uh, if I had to ask a question, let's let's stick to music, and then we'll kind of shift mm, gears from I'll there. I'll talk music. All uh, week. We got we're at the end of the podcast. So we got time now. Anybody yeah. who doesn't want to hear music, they can they can oh, turn okay, it off. Okay, good, so good. We good. got time. <laughs> let's talk music. I'd love to talk music. Current jam. What is it? What are you What are you spinning right now? I have become a major fan of the Grateful Dead in the last four months. I have a wife's cousin who I played golf with out in California on our Palm Springs trip. Yep who he had Grateful Dead just playing in the cart the whole time we played. And I'd always known the Grateful Dead. I'd always been kind of, I should say, deterred a little bit by, like, the whole deadhead lifestyle. That just doesn't fit me. But the music I have fallen in love with. Uh, Broke Down Palace right now I've listened a lot to. Uh, I love Peggy O. And uh, what's the other big one? Uh, uh, Lost Sailor. Those are my three okay. big Grateful Dead songs I've been listening to right now. I don't know if that means anything to you, um, but that's been my 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 new band of choice as of late but um a giant gordon lightfoot fan as well okay yeah um 
I've never listened to them, honestly. Yeah. Obviously very familiar with them, but and, you know, the huge following that they have, but never given them a shot, but maybe I should, you know. They're very unique. The music is extremely complex, but it's uh, it, the, 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 as someone who appreciates music like you do, I don't know if you'll get on the vibe. I, I think I, I, don't, I don't know all of your music tastes that well. I know you're really hard into the rock side, which mm-hmm. I am as well. Um, but I think if you, if you like it, you will love it. If you don't like it, you won't like it. Right. I think probably the best way to just, it's very polar. Yeah. You love them or you're like, no, they're not for me. That's kind of my, my take on them so far. Okay. And I'm very much on the, I really, really, really love them side. Yeah. So there's a, there's a good question. What about you, Joey? I, I, I mean, I've been listening. I listen to music constantly throughout the day, especially as of late as we're trying to figure out who our post game concert is going to be, you know, for this year. Um, Dead, dead and company. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've listened to a lot. I think right now the, the, the two kind of big kicks that I'm on uh, be Noah Khan and Zach Bryan. They're obviously Zach Bryan's on the countryside. Noah Khan's more on the I think the alternative side. Kind of like an, folk rock yeah, side. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, folk rock. which I like low-key, like. Like, like Mumford & Sons is still in yeah, there. Like, I love Mumford & Sons. Mumford so, Sons. like. Um, but those are kind of two that I've, I've picked up on a lot lately. Um, not, not for the post game concert side. They're not coming here for a post game concert. Sadly, no, um, darn. no, 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 they're, they're, they're essentially superstars at this point. And, uh, that's, yeah, they're not coming for, for, for our post game concert, but we got some cool things we're looking at, but yeah, I think those are, those are probably the two that, uh, I'm biggest on right now. They're at the top of my playlist. So. Mumford and Sons Babble album I could listen to just on repeat. To, yeah, forever. I I'm I a love big, that album. Yeah. I remember at, at, um, I was trying to get tickets to see them at some point when they were out in the Bay Area, and it was so hard to get tickets. And then they came through. It was uh, almost like you know when you get like like a winter jam or a summer jam kind of thing where they it's a radio station they bring in all kinds. It was a, a an uh an alt rock stations so like 21 pilots was like like one of the headlines or whatever but mumford and sons came and played like a, a 25 30 minute set and that was i was had to be there for and it was it was great so that was a cool one question for you travis do we think we could field an iowa wild garage band you know what? i do play guitar <laughs> i can play guitar i can sing so I could I could take that role. Like I I'm not gonna probably go off on any extravagant solos. So I'm probably not your lead guitarist. But right. I can do a little rhythm. Yeah. And I can sing. So we you can drum. Do we have do we have do we know of any other? Uh, Jess plays bass. Does she? Really? Okay. Yeah, she does. Okay. Um, I believe Joe also plays guitar and okay. he sings. So. I, we got the makings. So yeah, we got, got the makings, makings right there. Actually, like, you know. bringing Sammy Walker, take the keys a little yep, bit, yep, right? Yep. Okay. If we need cowbell, you know, he's got that covered too. <laughs> yeah. So, yep, cowbell. I can play a triangle. If we need it. Okay. All right. Yeah, we have the makings. Food for thought on that. Well, I don't have anything else. No, I wanted to get that's I, it. that. Was something I had thought about when I learned he played drums. I'm like, do we have the talent to put that together? Maybe we do. I think so. Maybe Might have to. New summer project. Yeah, because clearly we we have so <laughs> what, much time. What was the what was the the MTV making the band, right? What if we just do an Iowa Wild making the band? Let us know. Would own, you watch that? Would I you probably watch that? wouldn't watch that. Would you watch that? Um, parting notes from us. Uh, n- next coming episode, State Fair. Yep. 
Uh, do we have those dates finalized yet? When we, you and I will be there. Have we finalized that yet? Or should I we, believe should we so. Let people, keep an eye on social media. We will put that out when we're going to be there. Um, Joey's checking right now uh, if we did indeed finalize that date. But we did it yeah. last year. We had a really good time. Uh, we encourage you, uh, if you are planning on coming to the fair the day that we're coming out, which is? It's going to be on Monday the 14th. Uh, we're basically going to be there throughout the afternoon. I think our yeah. goal is to get there probably right around, if not just after lunchtime, and kind of hang out there at our, our um, I guess, our vendor area in the Varied Industries building. And we're just going to hang out and shoot the breeze, talk about kind of what we did last year is kind of catch people as they're coming by and, and get their thoughts on the season, answer any questions they may have about the wild or really hockey in general. That's one thing we learned last year with our man on the street. A lot of people, you know, just, just hockey knowledge is a big one. So, um, yeah, that's going to be our, our next episode. We'll record a pretty fun video. At least we think we got a pretty fun video coming for the state fair. Um, it's very under wraps. I think aside from you and me right now, nobody knows, no one knows what it is. And it's, we're hoping to keep it that way for a while, but that should be one of the more entertaining videos. I think we'll probably put out all year. Um, we're, we're thrilled about it. Our yeah. brainstorming session, we both left, especially once we figured out we were going to be able to do yeah. what we had. We had a lot, we, we had a lot of ideas do. and then it was very quickly like, all right, like, yeah, this is, this is cool. And then. I think I texted you that night. I was like, we have to do yeah. this. The more I yeah. thought about it, like, so uh, it's very, uh, it's just, it's, it's just, it screams Iowa State Fair. And it involved getting clearance for. Yeah. Which yeah, that, that that's the week, that's the little, that's the tidbit we can get. Yeah. We did have yeah. to like get clearance for it. Yep. So that's yep. all we'll say. Uh, but again, uh, August 14th, yep. uh, Joey and I will be at the fair and, and wild people will be at the fair I believe the, whole the time. entire time. Yeah, right? starting yeah. the 10th until the, was the 21st. It so ends. don't just come to 20th. see us. Yeah. Come to see if you're not there the day we're there. Uh, come by and, and there'll be giveaways uh, and there's merchandise for sale there as well. So Trav will probably be there at yep. some point. I'll be there. Come yeah. talk yeah. music with the Trav. Yep, come talk some music. Yep. Um, I didn't even ask you what's on. What what are you listening to right now? I should oh turn that back on to finish. Um, a lot lately has been a band called Sleep Token. Um, they're kind of different genres you know between like metal alt rock deathcore they kind of bridge it all i'd say give it a listen um you'll either like kind of like what you said yeah. with grateful dead you'll either love it or feel like really indifferent about it you know There's so no lukewarm sleep token fans no i don't think so, <laughs> so um but yeah they're one of those bands that's kind of mysterious they wear masks you don't know who they are so kind of adds to that level of why I like them because they could be you know, Dave Grohl for all, for all we know like who knows but uh yeah check them out they're really cool so okay no free ads we just gave one for sleep tokens yep. here on this podcast yeah. <laughs> I hope they enjoy, I hope they, I hope yeah. they enjoy yeah. it I hope, hope they get yeah. some bump yeah. they get they get a bump off that uh Travis this has been fun thanks so yeah, much thanks, for coming guys. down and doing this and um let's uh let's get the wheels going on this Iowa Wild Garage Band yeah I got a list of band names in my phone, so I mean, <laughs> what's the best one? Uh, oh, actually, don't, no, 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 I don't want to give that out. Okay, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's stupid uh, question. That's, oh, for three. Yeah. Oh, three. <laughs> we'll do that <laughs> one there. We turn oh, the, for three. Yeah. My oh, God. for three. Uh, anything else, Joey Goldstein? Um, no, no. I think that's kind of it. Don't talk about Boston again. No, nope. I guess no. But I, I don't know. Not 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 talking about Boston. Well, but one thing are. we should mention is uh, we we. 
did have some more recognition um, as a as an organization at the AHL Board of Governors meeting for the Western Conference. We won the Digital Media Excellence Award, which uh, goes kind of all three of us kind of have a hand in. Everybody I mean, from here. the creative side that, that Travis is putting on to the videos that Marquise, who is not here today. So if there's an editing issue, blame Ben. Uh, Marquise hey, is not here thanks. today. Uh, Jess, uh, you heavily on the AHL TV side. I think that was a big part of my understanding of, of why we were given this award, the AHL TV side, and what we did from a, a digital marketing perspective were the two kind of big pieces that propelled us forward. So um, we that's something we should at least mention that came our way. So another really exciting piece. But um, anything on the AHL TV side that obviously we, we took AHL TV to a whole new level this past season, but uh, anything new and exciting that you guys are trying to add to the fold for that this year? Well, before I get to that, uh, got to mention uh, Jordan Underwood, John Schaefer, and then uh, both of the AJs, uh, who are the AV people for Wells Fargo Arena. Those two specifically getting this thing off the ground, they were huge in it. It was, an, it was a brainchild of mine, but in order to make it work, those two were the ones. I'm like, so I want to do this. Yeah. They're like, so we're going to need to buy this. Yeah. Um, so those two were excellent. And then Jordan, our producer, who uh, – literally talk about juggling producers that's what they do they juggle a million things at once in different camera feeds and when mike's when my mic's not working or john's mic wasn't working um you know he was just incredible behind the scenes in that and then john schaefer who really i thought brought the broadcast together full circle with his pregame shows and intermission shows and and there were some nights where things weren't working properly where I threw to John, and that guy is such a pro. Uh, boy, did he do a wonderful job. And uh, John's back for next season, um, so we're excited for that. And uh, we're going to try to get him a little more involved, I think, is, is what our goal is, um, and maybe try to get him closer to the ice. Uh, that's all I'll say for now. We're still working out some details on it. But, um, yeah, you can't rust on your laurels, and, and we're extremely honored and humbled to have the broadcast have gone as well as it did in year one. But um, the goal in year two is to, to really amplify it and to – bring our viewers that much more coverage and that much more exclusive coverage of our team and our players and our organization. Very, very grateful. Awesome. That's it. That's all I have. That's it. Okay. Well, a big thank you to Mike Murray, a big thank you to Explore Minnesota, uh, as well as Executive Podcasting Solutions and Jeremy Core. We'll thank Marquise, even though he doesn't have a hand on this. Oh, no, he did hand have on... a hand in this. He, came, he had to set up all the lights and everything for us. I mean, he had a hand in it. He's just not the one cutting it up on the light? back end. There's one light back there. You're, you're I d- turned it on. Yeah, you you explicitly said, make sure Marquise gets the lights set up that we need, and he sends me all the transitions I need to edit. He did so, send yeah, us that. He, he I know. Came, I was he, trying to thank him. I'm, yeah. I, I know. But he, anyway, a big thank you to Marquise for normally doing such a great job and for making sure we could do our jobs this week. Uh, and, of course, Travis for stopping by. For Joey Goldstein, I'm Ben Gislason, and this has been Episode 21 of Riding the Bus, the official Iowa Wild podcast presented by Explore Minnesota. And as always, go wild. I was, ho- I was like, if he got this, that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. Two hogs for the win. <laughs>